0: Welcome to October's very own the podcast about Drake by Noisy. This is Dan Ozzie with me, of course, as always, is Eric Sunderman. Hello, forever by my side.
3: Here I am. <laughs> We're talking about Drake again. We're getting deep on deep, deep with Drake. It feels good to be back here. I'm happy to be in the back in the Drake chamber in the Drake chamber. Yeah, <clears throat> talking about Drake. The Six God, Drizzy. Ten seconds in,
0: we've said Drake like 14 times already. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, we're going to say it a lot this episode. Um, and in this episode, we have some special guests. We have uh, Drew Millard, former former Noisy Editor Drew Millard, writer extraordinaire. Hello. <laughs> and then we have our first, I would say our first celeb guest. Oh, God. Heems, who you may know from Das Racist, uh Sweatshop Boys, right? He had a solo album two years ago called Eat, Pray, Thug, which is awesome.
2: It contains one of my favorite rap lines, The Great Gatsby, uh, that Tech 9 and that AK.
0: Yeah. Uh, Contains one of my favorite rap lines, which is I'm so New York, I still don't bump Tupac. What a
4: New York anthem right there. (laughs) Yeah, I stole that uh, Great Gatsby line from an episode of the Waynes Brothers. Where uh, they were on like a Hood Jeopardy and they were like, What is the Great Gatsby? And Marlon Wayans was like, Oh, the Great Gatsby, the Tech Nine. The AK, but I didn't steal the Tupac line, so there we go. <laughs> That's the 50-50 the label gave me. So I, I, I want to steal half head. the shit. <laughs> right I like the idea of Marlon Wayans at home listening to this. But like, God, dude, my God, get my lawyer on the phone. His new NBC sitcom just got greenlit for a second season, so I think he's all right. <laughs> what? Uh, dude, sounds like you got in for a writer's room gig. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so
0: is this is this your first ever interview specifically about Drake? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well welcome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> this is the hell we put ourselves <laughs> through every day. Hell yeah. Uh have you ever I just off the top off the top, have you ever met Drake?
4: Uh like lightweight. Um me and Despot and Dean from True Panther used to throw this party called Shortcuts at uh Santos Party House and we threw uh one of ASAP Rocky's earlier shows where Space Ghost Perp was uh, opening for him. Oh, that must and be uh, <laughs> yeah, super early. And Drake showed up uh, after like I think a day of hanging out with Rocky at like Fashion Week Versace event or something. So he came through, and no, I made sure he got security, but I never got to speak with him. <laughs> I was like, you know, working my. I'm not a rapper. I'm a promoter thing, and just like you know, making sure everything was right. But nah, I never actually got to talk to him at that event mm-hmm. that I threw. It seems like
2: in the music industry, especially hip-hop, you have a lot of, like, you have very few degrees of separation with a lot of artists. Um, So have you, what would you, what is, like, the closest degree of separation you have with him? Like,
4: I I might be, like, I call it, like, six degrees of no bacon where all Indian people, like, know each other. So maybe I'm, like, related to Nav, (laughs) <laughs> but I don't actually. Uh, I used to talk to her. I got beats one time from and was thinking about working with a dude named Chasin Cash. Oh, yeah. Who's a rap producer who was, like, early involved with Drake. And, no, I mean, I've met people around him. And uh, Oh, you know, guys did
2: a song with Boy Wanda.
4: Oh, I got, yeah, all right,
2: yeah. So, so you're so one
4: degree of separation. I'm one degrees of separation <laughs> from Drake, yeah. That's he did. Uh, less than anybody else. He though. did Ha 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 JK, right.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm within 32 degrees of separation from Drake. Maybe un- under 50, I would say. Yeah. So you
4: just like email his publicist. <laughs> Isn't that the one? <laughs> no, I don't at, think working so, at noisy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think that's going to work. Your two publicists removed. Th- this from is Drake. it right here. <laughs> me pleading with him
0: to come on the podcast. Drake, come on the podcast. Come on the podcast, well, Drake.
2: One thing I'm interested about is what was the process like of working with Boy Wanda? Like how did you guys get in touch? Um
4: like, uh, I was working with uh, like a co-manager on That's Racist at that point we didn't end up working together longer but he came from like Violator and had like a lot more relationships in kind of the more traditional hip hop world so like Scoop DeVille I think I'm, I reached out to online but Boy Wonder came in through management and like uh, Diplo came in through like Twitter but a lot of those relationships were just like working our, our personal networks but Boy Wonder came in through Leroy Benrose who like uh, did Charles Hamilton and Angel Hayes and now he like works on Zayn and stuff I don't know mm-hmm. cool. that was some industry shit basically
2: okay Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you got the beat did it was it just like a full beat and you guys just rapped over it or did you like send it back for him to tweak
4: uh... no I don't think it was anything like that I think we got the beat I like the days of our live sample because I grew up with immigrant parents where like the only relatable aspect of American culture was daytime soap operas because they're like telling novellas. So like to this day like my mom doesn't watch the news, she doesn't like watch American TV, she like doesn't like care about like Ameri- you know, like following American pop culture but for some reason Days of Our Lives in General Hospital was like the closest I felt to like living in an American house as a child. So <laughs> when I heard Boy Wonder like use the doom, 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 like the like Sands Through the Hourglass shit, I was like, all right, great, this is it. So no, nah, we didn't send it back. Yeah. I, we were also very lazy and just like, you know, I don't think we were thinking about things in these like, oh, have him send back like another loop change and by the third bar it has to change like this. I think we were just like, this is dope. And yeah. we, our mentality recording was never to send shit back and have them reproduce. It was just like, oh, we got a beat. Let's rap on it. Let's put it up on MySpace. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. You know?
3: Well, so, I mean, something I'm really interested in is just from a, you know, we're we're sitting in here and we're a bunch of like music critics and nerds and, you know, we're all kind of like on the out, like looking in, you know? And and so for, coming from, you know, an industry perspective and a rap world perspective, what it, what's, what's like the... What's Drake's reputation, you know, or like what, 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 and how has it been to kind of see him evolve from this, like, you know, kind of like corny sweater-wearing guy to now where he's still, you know, wearing sweaters, but he's like one of the biggest artists, he's, arguably in the he's world, wearing the you biggest sweaters. So. Well,
4: I'll say like. As far as this conversation goes, I'm probably more on your side of the table as, like, a music yeah. critic and nerd than, like, a peer of his in the industry. Sure. You know, maybe, like, peripherally, I might, like I said, run into people that know him or, like, you know, I've talked to a lot of major labels over the years. You know people that have worked with him and stuff, but I never felt like I had to compete with him, which maybe makes my opinion more valid, in a sense. Yeah. Um, what do I think of Drake, man? I mean... When he first came out, I thought it was really fascinating because here's a guy talking about Jay Dilla, but rapping under Wayne and, you know, just kind of coming from like a, a TV background, but really immediately kind of overcoming that with talent. And it felt mm, just like more of like a genuine introduction to a person than like what you see. And with five albums, you have to reinvent yourself every time what's more like interesting to me is that he hasn't been reinventing himself it feels like a lot of the same story over and over again with different curation and like his growth exists more in his curation than his content which like i think is like i mean i guess if it ain't broke don't fix it and but at the same time it's like as a rapper You want to see him, like, if you look at what's, look, obviously, like, given, like, the political climate and stuff, you look at what makes somebody a Kendrick versus somebody a Drake, where they have the same resources, not the same talent, but, you know, and maybe it's because he's Canadian. But for me as an artist, when I watch him, I'm like, given all the success you have, given all your talent, given all your infrastructure, like, why don't you use your stage to say something like political or why don't Mm -hmm. you expand beyond the narrative of I never expected to get get famous now I'm famous and like to me that always didn't feel like struggle rap it always felt more like a smack in the face of I never expected to be famous now I'm famous now I'm paranoid Mm -hmm. like at once one time I compared it with like MGMT's time to pretend but without any of the irony about fame and you wouldn't even make that comparison with like G Herbo, of like every rapper is MGMT without the irony about getting famous. You would only make that analogy with Drake because he doesn't feel like those dudes. He feels more like, in a sense, that's the frustration: is you feel like one of me, and I understand what you're saying, but I don't want to listen to somebody talking about the shit that I already think. Like artists aside, I'm an Indian dude that had to identify with different American cultures, whether white or black. So in a sense, like I understand drake and he's like a guilty pleasure because i relate to him like how he can code switch left and right and how he is in, in a sense a culture vulture and i'm an indian american rapper in a sense i'm i'm a culture vulture you know uh and sure i grew up in queens around jamaican music and latino music and rap and r&b and he grew up in toronto but it's something that i'm guilty of so i can see it. Is like when you can't make your own shit you look around you and loosely stretch for authenticity in things that are familiar to you but you're still looking at him as an anthropologist and a curator not a participant so those are like seven thoughts on Drake (laughs)
3: and and the
4: eighth will be like at the same time I respect Drake but like in the way that I respect like the Olsen twins like I don't know what y'all do but y'all make money and like (laughs) I respect that but like it's not for me, you know, but you got to kind of like you got to participate in Drake, like especially like if you date girls <laughs> like, and just period, like a lot of what Drake puts out there is good music. But it's just does it relate to me on like a spiritual level, like when I'm at home or when I'm like in the shower or like, does it relate to me when I'm out at a bar spending money on capitalism, and it feel you know what I mean? I don't know how to. Yeah, no, buying I just units of capitalism. Yeah.
3: It, something interesting in there that you said, and I'm curious to think think about this more. Do you feel? I mean, obviously your music is political. I mean, do you feel like the an artist as big as Drake? Um, has a responsibility to,
4: nah, um, nah, and nah. feel
2: free to replace the noun Drake with the noun Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, I was um,
4: kind of getting at the Taylor Swift thing slowly. Yeah, but, um, nah, I know artists got no responsibility to do nothing. Yeah. Okay, um, and especially, I mean. Him being canadian like they're a little bit more lenient on things and him being half white he didn't have to experience these things i compare this to like when i first met like jumpa who who's like an author that i love but i was like why do you write about like rich indians whose parents are like professors like that like a lot of us and didn't grow up like that and so answer was like i write about what i know mm-hmm. and at that same time like i respect that about drake and you know when i was younger like with aziz and sorry i'd be like why doesn't he talk about being indian and you know, realizing how much now he does talk about this, I realize you can't rush someone to their identity, especially as a fan. So if you're there as a participant in like the conversation on their identity, it is a one-way conversation by virtue of them being an artist. But you can't really push them to what you think their identity should be. Like you're you're a listener, not the therapist. In a sense, they're the client, and the microphone's the therapist. And it's easy to assume that the listener has like all these thoughts, but at the end of the day, like. Fuck you?
3: (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. Just
4: out of curiosity, I just looked up
0: if Drake had ever really said anything about Trump. And in uh, February of this year, he was on his Boy Meets World tour. One, I didn't know he called (laughs) his tour Boy Meets World (laughs) tour. So now we've talked about the Olsen twins (laughs) and
4: Boy Meets World. The The closest Drake has come to (laughs) Savage is Corey Savage. (laughs)
0: Uh, <laughs> so he said. He said, uh, even. Oh
2: no, no, that was. Just, it's still, uh, you still got one. Okay, yeah. good.
0: It, uh, he even, even in doing so, he was pretty like vague. He said on stage, "If you think one man can tear this world apart, you're out of your motherfucking mind." It's on us to keep this shit together. And then Fu- did he
2: launch into one? And, dance? and then he
0: said, "Fuck that man," but it doesn't have a comma. S- like, "Fuck that man." It was. It says just "fuck that man." So I don't know. That's as close as he came, I guess, to... Uh...
4: Drake is like the rap version of Jordan saying, Republicans buy sneakers. <laughs> Which is where we can bring Taylor Swift into this. Yeah, like, if you want.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, one thing I've noticed about Canadians is... <laughs> they have... They are more ingrained in, like, a kind of, like, janky, semi-socialist government. Like, they have free health care maybe that's just it um and so a lot of like pissed off rebellious americans turn you know leftwards like socialist communist uh chapo trap house listener and uh pissed off canadians tend uh, have a bit more of a tendency to go libertarian um
0: Because they have the freedom to do so, because they have the luxury of doing so.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's
0: funny, because when I wrote that article, critical of Taylor Swift not having much of a political stance other than money, uh, the most common responses I got were, well, what about Drake? Well, what about Harry Styles? Well, what about Ward?" And it's like, none of those are American citizens. (laughs) Like, why would I care what they have to say about Trump? I don't know. I think he kind of gets a little bit easier. I think if Drake was in America... Like if he was an American citizen, there might be more pressure well, on. Well, he him gets to, to
4: tiptoe that line, yeah. Which is like, if he doesn't say anything while well, I'm Canadian, and like, yeah, not a lot of people get to tip. Th- to, like it's so close, but he has that distance where he doesn't have to get involved. Yeah, which is like an ideal situation for like an artist, especially like a pop artist to have. Really, mm-hmm.
0: he's he's like an everyman. Drew wrote the article that uh, it, Dr- uh, Drake is running for president of the universe. He he was just like that kid in in. High school, who's running for class president, and he's everybody's friend. and
4: No, he's more like Donald Trump, having like Obama ridicule him from a stage and being like, I'm gonna get there one day. And he's like a kid that never got pussy, and now he's just like, I'm gonna fuck every girl and like get really sentimental about it. Drake is the Donald Trump of rap. Don't quote me, don't quote me, don't quote me, don't quote me, don't quote me. Don't call I call think me. we have a name for the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: but I mean, what? I think it is true that. Uh, as there is a one perspective that is a very valid one, that is, an artist's responsibility is to their work, and as long as they make a work that is, that speaks to something to someone, they have done their job. And it might honestly be better if Drake said does not say, "Okay, my music is a product." The market demand dictates that I say fuck Donald Trump in a
4: song, ergo, I will make uh, a bad rip off well, of fuck Donald Trump. Well, considering how much he like follows trends, aren't you surprised that this is the one trend he hasn't really followed? That's yeah. true. Yeah, his next album is going to just be called the Resistance. You know, is, <laughs> isn't
3: that like odd? Yeah, <laughs> that is that is weird. That is a very that's good a point. good point. Yeah. I mean, he is, like, the king of just jumping on... It might just be too hot, though, because it's not
4: a trend. It's
0: something, like, people are...
4: Yeah, but I got to feel like he's interpreting it from a musical standpoint as a trend. Like, I do think of him as, like, a Zeitgeist processing, like, machine that, like, you know... You know, and he's good at that. I'm not even going to knock him on that. But I, I have to think that he's thinking of this as something to put in a song, which is when you... I'm sure some of it's therapy, some of it's political statement, but some of it's also like this is what people are talking about. Let me make a quick Hurricane Katrina freestyle, like, you know, or like you have people that just jump on a thing and and put it up on YouTube and, you know, I'm sure he's like thinking about that more patiently, but yeah, it is just surprising to me. Yeah. Do you I mean, do you listen to Drake? After? Yeah, like if an album comes out, I will listen to it and I will enjoy a lot of it and you know but i the rapper comes in in a competitive way where like i said like i'm an emotional light-skinned boy who likes reggae music and afro pop i wanted to do this yeah you know and then it's those moments where it's like well i haven't for a reason and like or if i've engaged it i've done it in a different way but yeah it's uh it's yeah it's interesting to me he's A lot of his press doesn't, he doesn't do press that much. And when he does, it's pretty much like gossipy, self-absorbed. He gets that pop press, not that like, you know, daily rap hustle press where you're constantly doing stuff. So he really gets to put out there what his brand is before him as a person. And like he, I think, jumped into that quickly one other thing though maybe is that he's also not problematic in a way like you've never heard him say like explicitly like homophobic things or racist things or like on the flip side he's not using his like platform, but he also in a world where and i'm a I've been called out in culture and like I find call out culture to be like difficult to go through, but in the long term like a rewarding experience he's never really been called out for like some like wild shit so he he's doing a great job of tiptoeing that line which has to be commended in a way as well
2: I mean I do think that in 2017 if he had just now mentioned Courtney from Hooters on Peach Street that would get a completely different reaction today than uh you know, it did in 2011 or 12 or whatever. Well,
4: that's a whole other mm-hmm. podcast conversation, yes. right? Yeah, it's like I think so. How, yeah. like, where call out culture meets rap and where rap is like the music of the youth, but so is, like, you know, social progressivism and how to, yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: But Drake is very, like, always on trend. So that's the thing is, like, you can't, that's why this his lyrics from. You gotta
4: wonder though, you seen him dress. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See the clothes he wears Well that's just what you get For only surrounding yourself With your childhood friends Who you're paying So they can't say no to you
4: a, That's a batting glove rapper <laughs> 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 what, what real fashion trend Has Drake made pop off? He was
2: pretty early On the leather sweatpants That's That was a thing? Yeah, I might have been he wore, using
4: back then. But I don't he, know, like. he, he, wore yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he and a few other guys were, they kind of popularized like the noir leather sweatpants. It was like Bobby Brown, I don't remember. Or this. repopularized. Yeah, <laughs> I think leather
0: sweatpants is sort of an oxymoron. Like
2: that has no, the no, opposite. You got leather pants on, your legs are gonna be sweating, buddy. Yeah. Feel like are. now I'm thinking about what sweatpants yeah, 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 are. I've lost in a hole here. I mean, I don't big sweaters.
0: Did
3: big not, sweaters? Like, is that did, did that, that catch on? Was that like a trend?
4: Big sweaters, big clothes yeah. are like rap. You can't attribute size taste <laughs> to Drake. You know what I bet?
0: Like I could see Drake bringing back if he hasn't already, like the big magic eight ball jacket.
4: Do
2: you mean like dafford dan stuff? <laughs> like the leather
4: eight ball jacket.
0: You know, just like. Yeah,
4: Drake got, got that Mike Pence haircut. He looked like a th- like a he looked like a he looked like a thumb with a fade. You know, where like that's the trend he brought on. It was like really like um, like nondescript dudes with like a fade. Yeah. Well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> for the record, teams uh, is just showing us his thumb and it, it making actually, us imagine Drake. It actually does look a something.
3: lot. team's thumb, for the record, looks a lot like Drake. It's a skin tone <laughs> thing too. Like a,
2: both Drake and your career, <laughs> uh, they... They don't share a career. You said career. careers. sorry. <laughs> um, no, Drake does not have a career. <laughs> right. um, well, both of you guys sort of emerged in a time when the internet became one of the primary ways for, like, disseminating music. Um, so, I mean, what...
4: Do you... Well, I think what... My statement we, is a question We came now. up at the same time, not in a world of the internet as music. I think if you have followed underground rap since, like, 2000, 99, you were on Soulseek downloading, like, you know, you, where did I get Cannibal Ox? Like, I would go to Fat Beats and stuff like that, but I was illegally downloading. My bad. <laughs> yeah. um, but for me, more, it was a time in which... Rap was losing its concept of what authenticity is and how important authenticity is to music is when Drake and I came up together, and it was more like Cool Kids, Lil B, Odd Future, maybe Das Racist. I wouldn't even, but maybe uh, Drake. It was this. I I refer to the major changing point in rap music as it, well. Three. It was like a. It was Blueprint, which was Kanye, and it was two thousand one. And uh, 9-11, I mean. And, like, I think at this point, the idea of kind of authenticity changed when Kanye came about, where he was, you know, dropped out of art school, calling his college dropout, rapping with Mostef and Talib, but rapping with, you know, Freeway on the same track. And, like, bridging this, there was a real kind of view of rap of it has to be underground or mainstream. And I think when Kanye broke down those walls of authenticity that were like already not really real based on like older rappers whose parents were professors and middle class and stuff. And I think Drake and a lot of like the current school of like rap, Let's I don't know if super duper Kyle's from the hood, but he, his head is popping up right now when I'm talking about authenticity and rap and stuff. Like I think a lot of this came after Kanye and Drake And their, like, brief interest in each other or continued interest is, like, exemplary of this. Like, that's when I I think me and Drake were in the same boat was the idea of authenticity being broken down. Like, middle-class kids with racial confusion or, like, you know, with parents that are middle-class or upper-class not kind of um, speaking to, like, the dustiness of, like, 90s rap. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Well before we go um, oh shit (laughs) no no uh, this is usually the the last minute of the episode where we like just shamelessly beg Drake to come on the podcast so Drake if you're listening it's too late to come on the podcast no it's it's not not. come on the podcast yeah well, well, bring me back if he comes. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> when when Drake comes on, it's just gonna be every guest that we've had over a month, just like We're thirty just talk people. Talk that shit and then try to get a feature.
4: <laughs> so that that speaks. to like I think that sums it up. <laughs> like,
0: well, this has been Heems You're on Twitter, right? Is it yeah at yeah. himan
4: or at Himanshu? H I M is in Mary. A N is in New York. S is in Sam. H U. That's thank you, That's what it's like being Indian for 32 years Is you have to explain your name like that on the phone So now y'all gotta listen to a Podcast people
3: <laughs> Well
4: I'm at Dan Ozzy, Which is D as in Drake A
0: as in the third letter in Drake N as in Nancy Who might be Drake's mom I don't know, no, right now Okay. Well anyways, Eric Sundy
2: At Eric Sundy At Drew Millard D as in Drake, R as in Rake <laughs>
4: He <laughs> is in. in the last letter in Drake. Yeah, <laughs> he is in F. W is in. You know how Drake keeps on getting double like wins. Wait, <laughs> did you tell the joke? I was the awesome girls one, but then the other one ended up being better. <laughs> so.
0: Well, this has been October's very own <laughs> podcast about Drake. Until next episode, thanks.
4: Yeah.